I know, but I want to take it off anyway. Uh, well, good morning, and uh, uh, welcome from me as well. This is uh, part eight in uh, the series on simplifying our lives, and uh, uh, this I've called Seasons in the Sun, just because it's a nice uh, <laughs> name of a song, and uh, it's been sunny lately, and we're talking about seasons. Now, um, I wonder if, like uh, me, you sort of threw away all your vinyl records and I did, and I sort of wish I hadn't, uh, but I kept about 15 of them, and I kept this one, which is one of my sort of top favorite records, and for those of you who can't see it, it is The History of the Birds, uh, which just sort of phenomenal group. So we sort of couldn't really have uh, this sermon without a quick sort of blast, can we? So let's just see if we can manage to do that. top 100 in America and here and sort of great that I remember thinking amazing that a passage taken straight from the Bible pretty much uh, became a, a really great hit and uh, in our little chat now about this passage um, we're going to be doing three things first of all I want to give a little bit of an overview of the book of Ecclesiastes because it is a bit of a tricky book really it's undoubtedly got a negative and pessimistic tone, and Solomon, uh, who was the traditional author for it, uh, was certainly not in a great and happy place when he wrote it, so towards the end of his life, maybe. Um, that's part one. Part two, we're going to think about the whole idea of times and stages and seasons within our lives. And part three... We're going to have a little look at what those actual words mean, those 28 things that we can get up to in our lives. So, well, not really 28, 26, because born and die are sort of decided more for us, perhaps. So, so that's what we're going to do. Um, just something, if you sort of get bored with the sermon, and how could you, uh, <laughs> could you think about... Um, an extra pair that you might have put in if you had been Solomon, you see. Uh, you know, I'm not going to give you an example because I've got a good one in my mind, so I'm not, but I've had time to think about it. So if you could just be thinking of one that you might put in, and towards the very end of the sermon, we'll see if someone's put in a time to, you know, whatever it is, and a time 
the contrast to that. So you've got this, uh, this list of contrasts. So Ecclesiastes, well, what an interesting book. I read the whole of it, uh, all sort of 10 chapters, 12 chapters, sorry, and it's quite uh, a sort of depressing sort of book. Remember from the uh, old King James Version, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. That's often been replaced by meaningless and worthless words like that. And there's this sort of feeling that everything is just not worth doing. And even if anything's good for a little while, it's still pretty bad when you look at it in the long term. So I think, in looking at the whole book, it seems to me that there are sort of four main themes. And the first um, is searching. So there's this idea that people are searching, and searching for something uh, that they, they sort of can't find. And when they do search, all they find is emptiness and um, you remember that song by the Platters, and I think it was by Elvis Presley sang it as well. I search and I search, but I never find the way to find real peace of mind. And then he says, you get on your knees and pray and come to God. And there's that feeling in, in Ecclesiastes that you search, but all you find is emptiness if God's not there. The second theme is the theme of I left it, sorry, I left it off the, the little sermon notes I gave you. The second theme is the theme of emptiness. You might want to just scribble that one in between searching and working. Uh, emptiness. Nothing can fill that gap. No, nothing can fill the deep longing of our restless hearts. That's another theme that Solomon brings out. You can't, you might be able to put that feeling off for a short while, but it comes back. Nothing can fill the deep longing of our restless heart unless it's God. And then there's the theme of working, and working comes into the uh, book a lot. Um, our own efforts, our own ambitions, our own abilities, our own wisdom even, and, uh, and especially our own hard work, give no lasting reward without God. And fourthly, uh, dying, the certainty of dying, the certainty of death, particularly makes all human achievements and all our own achievements completely futile without God. And finally, wisdom, which you might think is the one thing that would sort of last, and he goes on to say that human wisdom and knowledge and education and learning do not contain the answers, and an understanding of life cannot be gained without God. And so that is really what Ecclesiastes is saying, and it's saying it's sort of looking at it all from a negative point of view, I suppose. I suppose that uh, uh, Solomon could have written it the other way around and sort of said, with God your searching can be fulfilled. And with God, you're not going to feel emptiness. And with God, all our efforts and abilities and wisdom and hard work mean an awful lot. And if, with God, death isn't the end. And all that we achieve becomes part of something great that God is planning. And with God, all our wisdom and knowledge matter. And 
we can find out exactly all about God. So, um, but he chose to write it in the negative. So that's fine. And some people are sort of more negative-minded and some people are more positive-minded. But the message is the same, that with God, our lives are full of meaning and what we do is also full of meaning. Now, let's think about the second part of the talk today and how our lives divide up. Well, as Shakespeare had it, all the worlds are plays and all the men and women are on it merely players. And then he talks about the seven age of people. You remember the baby mewling and puking? And then it works through all the other stages until it gets to extreme old age, sons, eyes, sons, teeth, sons, everything, and that's the end of you sort of thing. So that was how Shakespeare saw it, those fantastic, uh, that fantastic speech there. And, uh, and other people look at it in different ways. Uh, Philippa, when she's doing her work on emotional uh, development, has one way of looking at it. Uh, Piaget, you'll probably remember, those of you who are teachers, we all learned about Piaget, and you'll be pleased to hear students of today still do learn all about Piaget, uh, uh, and his stages of uh, cognitive development or cognition. And they, if you remember, they go sensory motor, that's sort of the baby who just does actions, uh, pre-operational, concrete operations, formal operations, so that was uh, an, an, another one. I remember our very own uh, great thinker, John Withers, talking about his stages of, he looks terrified, his stages of uh, people, and this is after John Withers, I couldn't remember his exact words, but it was more like this, like this. Nought to 20 are your learning years, 20 to 40 are your working years, 40 to 60 are your busy years, 60 to 80 are your choice years, 80 to however long are your reflective years. I don't think I got all those quite right, but I certainly remember the busy years, which I've never seemed to quite get out of. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, so, uh, you know, how do we divide up our lives? And maybe that isn't the right way of looking at it at all. Um, and seeing God's hand in everything is the key to the whole thing. Something that's really good fun, and some of you have been involved in in your houses, I'm sure, is designing a building and making it look beautiful. And Peter Herring sort of says that every building should have, every room should have a wow factor, something that people look at and say, wow, that is just fantastic you've got that. And I was very fortunate in about the year 2000 to sort of design, uh, along with an architect, half a school. And, and it was a sort of very big, huge project, 2.5 million project even then. And we wanted the, the big sort of central area, the central atrium area, which was, is very lofty and really wanted it to look good. And we managed to sort of scrabble together money, which thanks to uh, Tony Blair and his education, 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 there was a good amount of it around for education at that time. And we've got a beautiful floor in this. And then I thought, we've got to have a central focus. And so we made a sort of hole in the floor about that wide and about that long and about that deep. And we put a clock in it and uh, a very sort of thick layer of glass on top so you could walk over it. And then we thought, you know, that, it needs to be a bit, say, a bit more than that. So as well as being a clock, all the way around the clock, it says 
to everything there is a time and a season for everything under heaven and that sort of swirls around the clock and the children sort of walk over it and ignore it every day of the you know um but it's great and uh and that's sort of in our minds there the whole time as we look at the time so uh god's timing is so important finding out and being tuned into god so that we know what he say is saying about what we should be doing in our time the secret of peace is to discover and accept and appreciate god's perfect timing because it's going to be different for all of us so in a way we can't totally put our lives into those preset seasons more recently the word season has become quite a popular word for thinking about stages in our lives and i think it's a nice word to use um and th the whole idea of seasons is that you know you might have a season that is a very sort of joyful time for you uh, and you look at times when maybe you've just got a, a, a new baby and that is a time of sort of excitement but also of worry also of sleeplessness uh, and so on that's a season you might have a season when your children are sort of growing up and maybe there's conflict or maybe there's not maybe there's happiness and that's a sort of great season for you uh, and so that's sort of uh, the whole thing about the seasons in our life and it's probably a really good idea if we can be aware that there are seasons in our life and what seasons we're in um, so uh, Solomon um, comes up as I said with this list of 28 and if you're doing a, a, a sermon and I don't think I've for about 10 months here and I thought golly it better, better be good um, so I spent a long time thinking about this and reading so other people what other people said about it reading some sermons reading lots of commentaries and my goodness me it's a happy hunting ground for the nutters out there I can tell you um, and people say all sorts of peculiar things about this passage uh, uh, but it could be they, they really look at it in three ways so some people apply the whole of those 28 points to the story of God's people, the Jews. So they just sort of say, you know, a time to tear down. Well, that's when the temple was destroyed and they moved into exile and a time to build up. That's when Nehemiah came back and built the walls. And, and so, that, so they look at it in that sort of way as the story of the Jews. Some people look at it as a deep spiritual and interpretive uh, thing for us so you know a time to plant well that might be when we first hear the word of God and a time to pluck up when it's planted that might be talking about people when they lose their faith or so it's turned into that and then some people and uh, people do but either of those first two things well or not so well of course in my value judgment um, the third one is that it's a practical and clear description of people's activities um, and I think we'll go with that third one more or less as we start to look at these individual uh, this list 
Um, I think that's what Solomon had in mind. I don't think he was thinking anything deeper than that. I think he was, you know, when he says weep, he means cry. When he says laugh, he means really roaring with laughter. You know, I think he just meant that. That is my feeling. And I think to over, you know, to over uh, try to analyze it and interpret it is um, a problem. In preparing this, these list of 26 uh, things, I guess I spent about two hours doing that bit of the sermon, and an hour and three quarters was on one word, and the other 15 minutes was on the other 25. So you'll, I don't know whether you'll guess which one it is, but are you, I'll probably tell you as I go through. Anyway, so nice sort of nice start born and die so born is a priest you know that's preset in god's hands um and uh, and likewise probably the time that we die as well so that's quite a sort of straightforward one plant and pluck up what is planted um i'm very excited for the first time for many many years i've planted uh, lots of potatoes and they're also growing up beautifully and I started earthing them up the other day and it's great and I got the first earlies in and then four weeks later um, yeah, planted the main crop and uh, it's great and they're all coming up and looking forward to you know digging those up and it's great the idea of that part of our life is about uh, enjoying starting a project and concluding that project enjoying the benefits of that project uh, and then um, moving on to verse 3 and kill was the word actually that I struggled over um, a time to kill and a time to heal I, I really struggled with kill I had to say all the American sermons said that kill was about capital punishment and what a fabulous thing it was um, and uh, uh, so I rejected that I'm afraid um, and I really struggled with the idea of, of why the word kill was in there. Or, uh, you know, because all of this sermon, uh, I've had the words of Timothy, of Paul writing to Timothy, uh, at the top of my mind saying, all scripture is given for our instruction. So it's not just coincidence that Solomon happened to write this. So obviously we're sort of happy with the word heal, but what about killing? Is there a concept of just war, for example? where killing can be okay or, you know, the least, you know, killing some people for other people not having world domination and killing lots of other people. And we'd have to make up our own minds about that. If we move on, uh, second half of verse 3, a time to tear down and a time to build up. Getting rid of the old and getting the new. Um, and I'm sure he, uh, Solomon was thinking of buildings, perhaps, pulling down things that have had their use and building them up. Um, and maybe we can just uh, have a little interpretation of that in the way we are as church, that there are times when we need to get rid of the old sort of ways of working and we need to think about new ways in which we can be church. And you can see that in other ways in your life, getting rid of the old stuff uh, that uh, maybe has been good in the past but isn't so good now and really building up something new and great. Um, in verse uh, 4, uh, we, when we talk about, it talks about a time to weep and a time to laugh. And we, we know that and we need to be very open with our emotions and be 
you know, free, feel free to express our emotions. That's really important. And Romans 12, 15, it, it really comes in here, I think, when, when Paul says, uh, weep with those who weep and laugh with those who laugh, rejoice with those who rejoice. And that's all about that wonderful word that, you know, we, has been, again, in the last sort of 25 years, has just been such an important word that we didn't reuse really so much before, and that's empathy and really feeling as other people feel. Feel what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes. Feel what it's like to be that person who's been sort of abused and, and totally uh, sort of uh, had such a difficult childhood, and what can you do for them? So that whole idea of crying and laughing. Uh, and then second half of verse four, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Our lives recently have become quite uh, sort of tied up with a friend of mine from very sort of best buddy friend from university days, a chap called Stephen, and his wife died uh, at age 55 uh, about six months ago now. And he really is in that state of mourning. And uh, I had the privilege of going away for a week with him, just the two of us, uh, for a, a little holiday and a few weeks ago. And, and it was great, really. And just giving him space uh, to talk. You know, he didn't really want to talk about anything else much. And, and just giving him space to do that. And just seeing him mourning that was a very pr big privilege for me and sharing it with him. And so that can be a season of our life. And the contrast is dancing. I, I don't know if you're very keen dancers or, or not. I don't know if all you men are great uh, dad dancers or, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, but uh, it says it, so don't uh, ignore it. Uh, Dave, obviously, is very sort of keen on this. I'd see Dave, a good old dad dancing. <laughs> Um, but uh, so, yeah, dance, get dancing and get expressing. We saw uh, uh, our home group, we had a sort of home group party last night and we saw Scar's fantastic pictures of her trip to Africa. And there was an amazing picture of her mum, who was sort of like this, and Ollie, who was like this, and Scar, who was like this. And we said, oh, that's, how great that is. You Africans, you really get into the dancing. And he said, actually, we were playing dodgeball at the time. <laughs> so but, uh, play dodgeball if you, if you want to be happy, you know. So, so that was great. Uh, another, uh, of course, another one that is, uh, the, the other one that doesn't make much sense to us, beginning of verse 5, is a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together. It's a bit sort of, What's going on with these stones, you know? Uh, uh, the, the rather sort of forward-thinking people think that perhaps is talking about sex, uh, so a time to make love and a time not to make love, or, but, on the other hand, it's not, that isn't used as a metaphor anywhere else in the Bible, so that maybe isn't right. Maybe it's something to do with a rather nasty form of warfare where you might go and put a whole lot of stones in your enemy's fields, but that doesn't seem a particularly sort of great idea and the building them up would be making your brick walls uh, so if anyone's got any good ideas on that uh, just oh okay Tina memories yes 
Yes, that's really good. It's the idea of you might put a pile of stones to remember things, and you saying that makes me think of cans. When you're walking on a mountain, you see all those piles of stones? So maybe a pile of stones and the altars that they made in Old Testament times? Thank you. Yeah, that's good. Actually, this is a good way of doing a sermon. Just ask the people what, <laughs> what do we have to think, what do we talk about? Okay, so we're coming on to verse uh, 6. Uh, over the page for you. Uh, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. I think in the 50s and, 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 and uh, uh, people sort of didn't embrace much at all and maybe you would only hug a child. 60s, suddenly everyone started embracing everyone with great free abandon and uh, that sort of carried on, carried on, carried on, carried on till sort of like last year when Harvey Weinberg's made it very... Difficult to know whether you embrace someone, you have to make a sort of physical, uh, a sort of eye contact that becomes a contract which says, Yes, I am happy for you to embrace me, or No, I'm not happy for you to embrace me. So it just, you have to sort of work out what you do with that one, and good luck on that. Um, uh, and I think, but that's, but you know, Solomon got it there uh, in those days as well. Did you know that uh, the sixth most common cause? of marital disputes is losing things. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that's number six on the list after arguing about money or whatever else. Um, and uh, so there's a time to search and a time to stop searching. And, you know, it's that idea that I quoted in that song earlier. You know, you search and you search, and it is good that we are searching to find the very best way we can do something. But maybe you move to a new area and you're looking for the perfect church. And you're not going to find the perfect church that totally ticks every single box. So there's a time to stop searching as well. Um, has anyone heard... Oh, here's a good one for you, all you Swedish speakers. Has it, and I had heard of this word, dostadning. Dostadning. Anyone heard of that word? Has anyone heard of the concept of death clearing? Anyone heard of that? Okay, so but, uh, Carol has heard of that. Uh, I'm, I'm very much hope you're not doing it, Carol. Um, the gentle, there's a lovely book out called The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning. And what Swedish people do, and they don't do it in a miserable way, believe it or not, you'd think it would be a miserable thing to do, but they do it in a cheerful way, is they sort of say, right what we would sort of call getting your things in order, but people tend to mean that as papers. But they go through their whole house saying, what don't we need anymore? What don't I want my poor children to have to sort of sort out for me? I'm going to get rid of it all. And they do this big sort of clear out. Or, and, of course, there's a big thing on uh, decluttering, isn't there? I sort of don't like the word clutter very much, but you, this idea of just getting rid of stuff you don't need. So maybe we need to have that in our lives, and God might be telling us we need to make our lives a little bit less cluttered, too many different things going on. Um, but remember that keeping things is just as important. There are things we need to keep, things that are our landmarks and our, you know, might be items or things within our minds that we need to keep. Uh, number seven, uh, a time to tear and a time to mend. Having moved slightly into my choice years, I find I mend much more than I used to. You know, chair breaks, 
probably would have thrown it away. Now I mend it. Uh, and it's good that, you know, there's a time to mend. But we need to put that in that same category as what you, what you mend. Uh, the uh, older versions, you say a time to rend, didn't it? A time to rend, to tear something up, and a time to sew. And, some, you know, and, and mend stuff. I mean, do you remember those lovely mushroom mushroom bits of wood uh, where you had a sort of mushroom where you used to darn socks, heels on socks? I, don't, I think there's a lot of darning goes on these days. I swear a lot of you darn your socks, but that's, uh, we don't do so much of that. Uh, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. Now, I like writing notes whenever I go to a meeting, so whenever I'm in a meeting, I'm always sort of writing down what people say. And if you were to look at them, it would say pretty much every time, in capital letters, I would write somewhere, at some point, the letters D-S-T-M. Anyone know what that means? It's a message to myself. Well done. Exactly. Brian has been in meetings with me and knows that I have a propensity to speak too much, so I'm always writing. Uh, and sometimes that becomes D-S-A-W, don't say another word, uh, and, uh, which is good. Some of you uh, might need to put in, instead of D-S-T-M, you might need to say F-H-S-S-S. Any idea? For heaven's sake, say something. <laughs> You know, uh, so you might be someone who needs to be told that uh, it's, uh, you know, your opinion is needed. There's a time to speak and there's a time to be silent. And that's true when you're listening to people and, you know, when you're speaking to, uh, to them and you're not, uh, and you're being a good listener and you're not trying to relate it to your experiences, but you're really thinking of that. Okay, so we come to the last two um, in verse 8, a time to love, and we need to be loving freely and, ex uh, and in an amazing way. We need to be loving our neighbors and everyone. We need to hate no one but to hate injustice and evil and to turn that hate into action. And a time for war and a time for peace. And we pray there's not war and that war comes hardly ever. And we need to pray for peace and work tirelessly, tirelessly for that. Did anyone think of a good pair that they could add in? Ian? Uh, time to wait. Yes. A time to wait and a time to get on with it. Very good. Christine? Yes, a time to care and a time to stop caring for self-preservation. Did I see Carola? No? I saw someone else over there. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you very much. Dave? A time to consider and a time to act. Roger? A time to pray and a time to listen to God. Jackie? A time to 
time to feast and a time to fast. My goodness, Solomon could have written that. That is very good. I, put, I had a time to save and a time to spend, which was interesting. Uh, yes, Brian. Sorry, Alan, sorry. A time to be known and a time to be forgotten. A time to be forgotten. Thank you. Thank you all very much for those. That is really... Uh, thank you for being so thoughtful about all of that. Okay, so we are simplifying our lives. We're thinking about that. We're simplifying our lives by in- accepting and embracing God's seasons for us and looking for wisdom to see his timings for us and learning to live within his will. And I hope as you sort of ponder this talk today, you'll think about how you are going to change as a result of what you've heard. Thank you.